Hello there, and you're very welcome to a podcast brought to you by the team behind Team Limerick Cleanup. Limerick's annual cleanup event that takes place across the city and county every Good Friday. And we're ready to kick off once again on Friday the 7th of April. If you're new to Limerick, if you're someone who's moved here, if you've set up shop here, and you're calling Limerick home and you've never taken part in TLC, sign up. TeamLimerickCleanup.ie is the website for that. And of course, we have all those wonderful tea and coffee gatherings. We'll have the odd hot cross bun ready to go at the end of the event. So it's a wonderful opportunity for you to make friends, meet new people, and to show pride in where you're from. But in episode two, of course, I've got some more interesting guests to have a chat with and to get their insights into what Team Limerick Cleanup means to them. So starting off this podcast, we have a wonderful person from Limerick who has made a name for herself on the national airwaves and also doing lots of TV work and spreading the word of the Irish language. She's a real ambassador for Limerick. She started her radio career with Spin Southwest and then she went on to work with Classic Hits 4FM as well as being a producer on the likes of News Talk and Radio Nguyen Tukta. She's worked as a columnist for the Limerick Leader newspaper and is a proud Gaelgore. So I sat down with this native of Kilcornan. Louise Cantillon, and this was our chat. Tell me a little bit about the Kerry links, because I thought that you were Limerick through and through. I'm going to throw you out now that we know you're Kerry. I know, yeah, maybe I'm not allowed to be on this podcast any longer. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm actually Kerry through and through. Uh, both my parents are very proud Kerry people that moved to Limerick in the 80s and have, I guess, found an adopted home in Limerick over the last uh, more than 30 years. So Ballyhigh in North Kerry is where both of my parents come from. Um, but they made Kilcornan home and they've worked in the city, lived in the city and uh, I guess loved Limerick as their adopted home for the last number of years and that's where me and my sisters have grown up. So you have both that city and the county within you. I presume Curra Chase was on your doorstep. You understood what it was like to be immersed in nature when you were a young one. Yeah, for sure. I was blessed with where we grew up. Kilcordon is a lovely parish. It's a small parish. It has a stunning community. And uh, when I went to national school there, there was only 60 in the entire school. So I feel like we had, you know, such an intimate experience in school. I knew all of my teachers so well. I actually knew everybody in the entire school when I was, you know, in juniors right through to sixth class. And uh, that was a really special experience experience I think having that intimate parochial upbringing and then moving into the city for secondary school. The theme of this podcast is about that idea of community and what TLC can bring to community but when you were growing up in Kilcornan and then moving into the city for a different experience did you notice how community changes when you get when you're getting into rural versus urban? Yeah entirely I mean for me I was a when I was in primary school, there was two people in my class. Okay, so if you can imagine me and another fella, he decided to go to secondary school in Palace Kennery and I came into Laurel Hill Closhta into a year group of 90 girls. Um, I'd never had a girl in my class before and all of a sudden I had 30 in my class and 90 in my year. So for me, it was a massive uh, change, you know, of community, a massive change to my life as a young 12-year-old and I actually found it terrifying. I found the Laurel Hill Closhta skirts were so loud. I remember walking down the corridor <laughs> thinking... How loud is this skirt? It's down to the floor and you can hear it like when you move your legs. It was just all of these little things. But I think it was the best thing I ever did. I had an opportunity to study and to um, learn Asgoilge. I 
completed my education three Gaelga, which I am so grateful for now looking back. And it's been kind of the golden ticket that has opened so many doors for me in my career going forward. You weren't really theatrical or anything. You were a sporty and as a result, you made a choice to study physical education and teaching. Yeah, that's it. Um, I think, you know, as someone who works in media, like I think we're all probably attention seekers at some stage in our life. And for me, that was certainly who I was growing up. I'm the eldest of three girls. And uh, I guess we were four daughters under six. So maybe we were always fighting for attention. Uh, So for me, being a show off, doing something like gymnastics was perfect because I was able to be like that primary school student that was like, watch me do a flip at lunchtime, you know. (laughs) And I loved it. I was like, here, I'm going to do the splits while we're waiting in the Lena to go in after, you know, after lunch and uh, yeah definitely that little bit of a show off in me but um, yeah that was exactly it I um, I decided when I was filling out my CEO form that I wanted to do something I guess that I would enjoy in college um, a mixture of sport and Irish seemed like a good option Funnily enough, when I got to sixth year, I really wanted to study journalism with media. There was a course in DIT called Film and Broadcasting with Irish. And I remember sitting down and chatting to my mom, who's a teacher and a career guidance teacher. And eat both of them at the time, Ireland was in a recession, said to me, Louise, don't be ridiculous. You'll never get a job in media. Such a wishy-washy degree. Um, you're much better off choosing teaching and you know, having a career that you're going to have a pension and stability in and you're going to have a salary. So I wrote down PE and Irish uh, as like the stable, sensible job. But of course, at the back of my head, there was obviously that itch to be scratched. And I knew that like there was something else I wanted to pursue. So who's laughing now? (laughs) (laughs) When I was in school, I think I learned, started learning French way later than I had started learning Irish and with by the time I got to third year I was travelling to France to do exchanges and was speaking better French than I was speaking in my own native tongue and at the time there was a lot of talk about is the Irish language dead and in those years subsequently it seems now that Irish is not just something that people want to learn it's becoming cool again and there is a community of Irish speakers tell me about being probably way ahead of your time in terms of that sort of stuff and can you see the language now becoming something that people are embracing and is there a community out there of Irish speakers? We're blessed, I think, in this country um, to have a richness of language and to have years and thousands of years of, we mentioned off air, like folklore and mythology that comes with the language. It's a really special, magical gem that we have as Irish people and a blessing that we have the ability to speak it and learn it in school. And I think that you are very right when you say that it's coming back into fashion. I think Irish is in vogue and I think it's something that people want to be able to speak and that they are ready now to embrace fully and to celebrate. Um, I don't know about being ahead of the trend. I think for my family, Gaelga was always something that was just a given. Mom spoke Irish at home. She was an Irish teacher. She would have come up with Gaelga in her home. Um, And it was always maybe that thing about being able to being proud about being able to speak your national language so it was never not cool with you it was just something that was just done naturally yeah maybe there was a stage in my teenage years where mom would talk to us ask Gaelga in public and we'd be like jeepers I'm mortified (laughs) but now as an adult I look back and I'm like I wish I'd spoken more uh, coming up but certainly absolutely nothing to be embarrassed about Um, if anything it's something I'm so grateful that I have fluently now and without it I'm not sure I'd be in the position I am in the career I'm in so the Limerick girl who started her life in the county ended up in urban Limerick but had Kerry parents decided then she'd go to Cork for college yeah my college years in UCC were fantastic. I love them. I actually, I mentioned I chose to study PE and Irish uh, in college. I didn't get the points at the time to go to UL. Uh, so I ended up in UCC and it was 
serendipitous it was fantastic they were brilliant four years I met amazing people loads of GAA heads in my year there was a massive uh, love for and grow for the GAA for Gaelga all of that interlinked in Cork and I think uh, it just cemented even more how much I loved the Irish language and loved uh, celebrating everything like that Ireland has to offer you know the quintessential Irish things that are like GAA and Cúpla Fuchel. Um so certainly they were a brilliant four years and I was lucky enough to earn myself a really good qualification and get a job straight out of college and uh, I found myself teaching as the youngest 21. I was teaching Leaving Cert students Irish at 21 which was bizarre but brilliant. And where did media then come into the picture? So media has always kind of been there or thereabouts. Um, I guess when I was in college, I needed a part-time job. So at the time, I remember Spin Southwest were advertising for Spinnies, which I thought must be the most glamorous job of all time. You got the keys to a pink Mini Cooper, a lovely kind of a pink and black spin <laughs> uniform. And I always remember these um, like Adidas moon boots. They were so cool at the time. This is like 2010. And... Uh, more so than anything I was like I want to be paid to drive around this Mini Cooper and wear that cool outfit that seems like a dream job go to all these gigs head along to Monster Rugby matches so that was kind of the start that was the in for me so um, I got an opportunity to present a show Os Gaelga again Gaelga was the ticket that got me in there and uh, I guess as soon as I sat in front of a mic and felt the buzz that came with presenting a live radio show it's cliche to say but I was bitten by the bug and here I am you know over 10 years later and you've gone on and you've done wonderful things but with the Junior Eurovision, which is a fascinating concept and I've seen that you know take off over recent years. Now you're with Today FM and I want to come back to the TLC, Team Limerick Cleanup Initiative, because when did you first become aware of it? Yeah, so I think TLC, Team Limerick Cleanup, is a fantastic initiative. I mean, anything for me that incredible ambassadors for our city put their face to, you know, makes it just seem like something that is so important and it... it it proves there's so much pride surrounding the idea of keeping our city, you know, clean, beautiful, presentable. And I think that's something about Irish people and particularly people from Limerick. We have this innate pride in where we come from and wanting people to like where we come from and wanting people to respect Limerick. Um, so I think I probably first became aware of it when I saw the likes of Paul O'Connell, Keen Lynch, you know, Limerick hurlers, well-known ambassadors in the county, put their names to campaigns and actually get out there and, you know, with a, a litter bag in their hands, picking up litter on the streets. And I think when you can see, you know, big stars like that come down to the grassroots and into the city centre and you know throw their shoulders to the wheel it really makes you understand that actually we are all a community everyone wants Limerick to be a great place um, it doesn't matter what end of the spectrum you're on You've seen close hand because obviously you're now fiancé Declan you know very important role within the Limerick team but you've seen close at hand what it takes to produce an All-Ireland winning team how important is community to the success that we've seen with that team and with Limerick in general you know because we've seen Limerick as a city and county really talk itself up over recent years and community plays a massive role in that. Yeah absolutely it plays the most essential role I think in it. I mean the whole idea of a group of people coming together as a team and buying into one collective aim and goal uh, that's a difficult feat to get a group of people to come together and to get a group of people to come together and actually achieve a goal is exceptional and I think that Limerick have proven they can do that time and time again obviously the hurlers are exceptional in what they do and they have their own special bond but I think Limerick city and county as a city and county you know we echo a lot of the traits that the Limerick hurlers have I think it's fair to say that I think Limerick people are resilient resilient and proud and honest as people and they they pride themselves in 
putting their best foot forward. Like obviously Limerick as a city has come through the good, the bad, the ugly over the years. And there's still this immense sense of pride and wanting to push our city forward and push it to new heights. And I think that we continue to do that. And we also are a proud county when it comes to what we export and the talent we have within our county. I think we we love to sing the praises of the amazing people that are in Limerick and we do that right across the globe, which is incredible. Well, when you're in Dublin and you get a sense of Dublin as a place to be based and then you think back on Limerick, how different is it in terms of the community or is is it an Irish thing in general? Yeah, I guess like there is a big difference. Like Dublin has a massive population. It's quite uh, an international population, I would say. I live in the city centre at the minute. I'm like living between Limerick and Dublin. And uh, yeah, I guess, you know, it's like anywhere. Um, certain communities are so proud of their own communities for a variety of reasons, you know. And there are places and pockets of Dublin that I've seen, you know, locals being extremely proud and protective of where they come from. And I think we're no different here in Limerick. But I think what makes us maybe a little bit more unique is that we're a smaller city, a smaller county. And it's almost like that six degrees of separation is kind of one degree, two degrees of separation yep. in Limerick. We're all connected and interlinked. And you can say nothing to no one. <laughs> this is it. But I mean, the positive, the positive side of that is that we are all working together and the, you have that team ethos and people are striving for the common goal, which hopefully is to make Limerick the most, you know, the best place it can be. And we're starting to see people use Limericks or call Limerick home and see Limerick as a place where they want to invest for the rest of their lives. We want those people now to take part in TLC. We want them to realise that Limerick is home. And if they're experiencing Limerick for the first time, what would you say to them about taking part in Team Limerick Cleanup for 2023 and what it'll bring to them? Yeah, well, I would say get out, get involved with your community. There is no better opportunity than Team Limerick Cleanup to meet the very best in your community, people who are like-minded, people who want their community, their town, their parish, their city to be the most beautiful um, version that it can be. I think um, it's a great opportunity as well to get to know you know, people who are proactive in communities as well, which is important because I think um, as someone who's, arriving maybe to somewhere for the first time as a newbie uh, you know it's nice to meet people who will help you along your way Well Louise thank you so much for joining us on the TLC podcast and I wish you all the very best you're an ambassador for Limerick and for the, the national language and I wish that I was able to talk a little bit more with you in that tongue I'm just an Egypt that's uh, why but I, I will learn I will <laughs> learn in time Louise thank you That, of course, was Louise Cantillon, who dropped into the studio here to have a chat with us for the Team Limerick Cleanup Talks to podcast. Our partners at Team Limerick Cleanup, Live95, are bringing you this podcast. And we also team up with Mr Binman. We are partnering also with Limerick City and County Council, the Limerick Leader, the Limerick Post, I Love Limerick, eLive, and Dunn Stores, who provide some of the little goodies that we provide at the end of all of the various cleanups. The mission and vision of Team Limerick Cleanup, of course, has got three real pillars, community, pride and environment. And they're the things that we want to foster across Limerick City and County over the course of Good Friday. When all those young people and older people come together, they form relationships and they show pride in their community. And that's what Team Limerick Cleanup is all about. So we're really looking forward to Team Limerick Cleanup 8. So in each podcast, we're going to have an opportunity to sit down and chat with some people from 
the various different communities that take part and community really is at the heart of Team Limerick Cleanup. So so in the last few weeks I got to pop into one of the men's sheds in Limerick. Now what is the men's shed? As it says on the tin, it's where men come together to learn and share skills and to form long-lasting friendships. Now men's shed movement was first founded in Australia back in the 1980s and since then it's expanded into many different countries, the UK, America, Canada, Iceland, but of course it's hugely popular in Ireland. There's almost 450 men's sheds across the country with almost 10,000 people visiting a shed every week. One organisation that has opened its doors again and that is starting to thrive once again is St. Patrick's Men's Shed, based down there in Rabogue. And I sat down with three of the members, Martin Hannigan, Terence Hickey, and the interview started with Michael Wallace describing to me what a men's shed is. We make stuff, we fix stuff, we plan stuff, we talk about stuff, and even some of the men teach us how to do stuff. And we go on excursions together, and we sometimes just sit down and have a cup of tea. Now tell me about the building here, because I've passed it often, but I've never actually thought about it. What is the history of it? Well, originally it was built by St. Patrick Scouts. And as a kid, I remember coming down here dancing because it was known on Sunday night as the Hop. And so we did all our teenage jiving down here. And indeed, some of the members were scouts here. And my own kids were scouts here. But how did you get involved? I was asked. <laughs> Quite simply, I was asked and uh, one of the original members to be asked. And uh, we have, our original meeting was up in the Clahon GA Club. We decided to give it a go. All things considered, I'm a bit of a joiner. And when you're a pensioner, you need to get out of it. So, Martin, your background with the men's shed here, how long have you been involved? Uh, since the start. It passes away Wednesday morning. Like, we have a crack. We we make tea. We do an awful lot of talking. And obviously there's a sense of community, but obviously as well it, it gives people a sense of being able to get out and have something to do during the week. Yeah. Oh, we do, yes. Yeah. Well, if you look out in the back, you see the gardening. That's what I do. Is I give a hand in the garden, you know. But if you're asked to do something else, then you do that sense. And tell me about the garden out there. We haven't seen it yet, but what's what's out there? Sheer workmanship. <laughs> In what regard? Uh, we we all do a bit of gardening. Like we had potatoes, the usual carrots, lettuce, cabbage, you name it, we grow it. Turn sicky. I saw a notice in the Credit Union for the a guard called Will O'Mahony. The ladies above in Clahan said to him, why don't you do something for the men? So he put up notices around the place. So we turned up then to Clahan with Will and we had our cup of tea there and we farmed the shed out of that. And we were looking for a place then to hold our meetings. We got this off of the priest at the time. So now it was a wilderness out there when we got it. So there's eight or ten different lads had their own plots out there at the moment and they're all looking after their own plot and growing their own stuff. Started off, we had 30 members, and then it dropped down to 10 or 12, and we're back up again out to about 26. But they're not always here, like, you know, they come and go for different events, and if we're doing something, they'll, do, they'll come with us. So we've been to Dublin, we've been to the Dáil, we've been to Spike Island. So we've had a few good trips together, like, and this good camaraderie, like, to get together. As, as pensioners, we all have free travel, so it's easier. Now, talk to me about Team Limerick Cleanup. It's obviously an event that you allowed to you, you get yourselves ready for. And and what do you, how do you get involved? I just applied to to do it because I know our residents at home in Moodlan, they do it every year. So I'm kind of used to doing it through that. So I applied to see would it help us clean up and get rid of stuff that we have to, to dump. That's the main idea. 
And I presume if you wanted more members, people are welcome to come at any point. Well, I was just going to su- suggest that you that you we are looking for members, and the thing about it is, there's no bosses here as such, and uh, everybody, well, men, are they're all welcome, like you know. So hopefully we, we we might get a few members out of this. Just for the three of you, one final question. If you were to explain or have one word to describe the experience with Menshed, how would you describe it? Healthy. Cooperate with each other and get things done. It's a pastime, a lovely pastime. Thanks there to Martin, Terence and Michael for giving me an insight into St. Patrick's Men's Shed and if you have time and you think you might be interested in joining one of those, pop down to the lads there in Rabogue but there's many other Men's Sheds as well and if you do want to find out a bit more about Men's Sheds and whether it might be for you, you can go on to mensheds.ie and that'll take you to a whole list of supports and if you even want to set your own one up out in the county that's where they'll give you the guidance to do so. So thank you to the guys. Next up, who have we got? Well... As I said at the beginning of the podcast, this initiative, Team Limerick Cleanup, is in its eighth edition and it was originally conceived by three people, Paul O'Connell and J.P. McManus and somebody who I've been aware of for many years in Limerick. She's done incredible work. Initially was the brains behind the Tidy Towns initiative here in Limerick City, but she's been really passionate about many aspects of Limerick for many, many years. So Helen O'Donnell took time out to sit down with us for the podcast and just to tell us about those early days and how the initiative came about. Okay, so Helen O'Donnell, you're very welcome. Yourself, Paul and JP, had this mad idea and I have a feeling that you were maybe leading this back in the day. Can you remember the first day you sat down and came up with the concept for a TLC? I can, I can, because it's a monumental. So JP would call in for a cup of tea every so often. On this occasion, um, he rang and said, are you, you know, are you at work? So I said, yeah, sure, come in. So he arrived in with Paul. I hadn't anticipated I had to have the two of them. So we sat down at the back of the cafe in the Hunt Museum. You know, we're sort of shooting the breeze and then we're saying, you know, the three of us, I suppose, we're all passionate about Limerick. JP was sort of saying, you know, is there anything we can do? And I said, well, look at, you know, for me, it's, you know, cleaning Limerick and keeping Limerick clean and the tidy towns and the commitment of communities. So, so that went from a conversation where after about a half an hour, you know, we were saying we could have a one day cleanup. Up. And the two boys were, you know, really enthusiastic about this. JB said, you know, if this, I can't remember the month, let's say it was May. Well, JP wanted it in June. You know, he wanted it now, yesterday. Um, and we were saying, well, you know, this, you know, you need a lot of planning into this. It has to be successful. Both of them were sort of inclined to say, you know, do the city first and then we'll expand the county. And I was saying, no, it's Limerick, the whole of Limerick or nothing. And Paul then was um, sort of looking at me and as true to form, JP had it organised and sorted <laughs> and was really enthusiastic. And I, I'm looking Paul, who's not got the same enthusiasm, and they weren't out the door when Paul said, texted me, said, "What have we done? You know, this, you know, you know, what have we bought into? What's the commitment going to be?" And he was a bit anxious about it. And I said, "Look, we'll, you know, we'll work it out, and we'll get plenty of supports, and it'll, it'll, it'll work." And then when we actually got a committee together, a couple of supports, and worked out that's really important the communication. So ninety five FM were one of the first calls, um, and they um, were enthusiastic about the project. 
it's, it just snowballed from there. So the first year we thought, look, if we have 3,000 people in the whole of Limerick, city and county, this is going to be a success. And uh, so that was the benchmark, we thought. You know, if that, you know, because looking at the tidy towns and the going for gold and the different people who are involved in the community already in this area, if they all engaged... And sure, we were hardly open when we had 10,000 people registered. And you know, Helen, I remember that there was two events in Limerick that had that same feeling for me. When the granny came to Limerick, everybody thought it wouldn't work, right? Everybody said, ah, sure, look, they're closing streets and people were given out. And suddenly granny arrived on that train and it came in by Colbert Station. And by the time she was down William Street, you knew there were just people everywhere. And I remember with the first TLC, it was the same thing. Actually, this is only a clean-up day. And suddenly you had P- we were on every news bulletin we were on and the city were, city and county were going crazy. It was an animal, wasn't it? It took Absolutely. off. It took a life of its own and it has done. And that's the amazing piece. You know, last year we had 21,000 people registered. And that was you know, just after COVID. People weren't fully back in their communities, back in, in action again. And that many people committed. So we have a community of that um, who hopefully, you know, will engage again. And I suppose this year the big, huge ask is for new people to engage, mm. uh, for new communities. We have a lot of Ukrainians. We had a lovely experience because Dunstore sponsored our hot cross buns last year. They gave us cartloads of hot cross buns. I was having a heart attack at the quantity because there's no way we'd have used them. And like me and food waste and any waste at all is just, you know. Uh, so I um, took the challenge of making sure every single hot cross bun was distributed to a community. We went to all the new Ukrainian community who at that stage were in residential accommodation um, around the hotels and hostels in the city. And we also brought them every single nursing home in the city and county. On Easter Sunday, I was still delivering hot cross buns. Just so, so sad. I went out to um, Milford Hospice and this lovely man, Tom O'Donnell, who used to work with Channel Development. And we used to always tease him, you know, you know, your Tom or my Tom. And um, he had been in Milford and he was wasn't terribly well at the time and he was outside the door with his family and because you know they couldn't meet him inside I recognised him and I thought oh my goodness you know how are you and he said oh you know I'm fine he said what are you doing here and I said I'm delivering hot cross buns he said I haven't had a hot cross bun will you please make sure there's one with my name on it and uh, that was the kind of um, sort of thing that have those little stories. What's been really interesting has been the fact that this is something that maybe you might have thought it would have lasted a year or two, maybe three years, because these things don't always have longevity, you know, and I'm not saying it was ever going to be a flash in the pan, but this has really caught into the imagination for the community. And, and kids, I was talking to someone the other day and they were saying, kids remember the photograph they got with Paul or with Kean or whoever came to visit their particular community. And so they have very fond memories of this event already. Yeah, there's a huge excitement in the community. See, a lot of, you know, the same people are involved in everything in a community. As you know, they're involved in the church, perhaps, or they're they're involved in their ca- local authority. They're involved in the parish councils, um, tidy towns, team and clean-up. Um, so those people are sort of the core in any, most communities. And this has given them sort of an impetus to get new people involved but we'd love it to happen more often so it's an opportunity to clean your area So right, people want to sign up and we want as many people, bring a friend how do they do it and what's the best way to get signed up and to get engaged? Okay, so if, you, if you're in a community and you, you know, you're living in an area and there's a local um, community group in your area, join them 
or ask, you know, ask your neighbour, is there a community association and join that. But failing that, get a couple of people together, a couple of friends and register at teamlimitcleanup.ie. Um, we will give you um, equipment if you're new to um, Team Limit Cleanup. We'll give you a picker and um, bags and gloves and sanitizer and the safety statement so that everybody's really careful. We would ask you to use your picker. We're trying to reuse. get people to yeah. reuse, recycle, look at the circular economy, ask a friend or ask somebody that they know hasn't engaged before um, and join, you know, your local Tidy Town group. For example, the City Tidy Town group that um, uh, I'm involved with, we will have lots of people asking, can we join you for the day? And I suppose the other piece for me is that people are very passionate about, you know, the community that they live in, their immediate area. But perhaps near you, there's an area that nobody's caring for. Perhaps you could bring a few people down there on Team Limerick Clean Up Day and give it a good clean. And um, because the focus is so incredible on the morning of Good Friday, there are areas that are spotless and then it, the others really stand out. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, teamlimerickcleanup.ie, for anybody who wants to sign up, it is a wonderful day. You do get a sense of community and we tend to find that it the sun shines in those days. I don't know what's been going on, but we've never really had a very bad day. So Helen O'Donnell, thanks so much for coming into the studio and we'll get all of this out over the next couple of weeks. Keep an eye on all the social media platforms and uh, sign up. Thanks, Nigel, for all your support. You're welcome. Ah, yeah, it was really great to catch up with Helen O'Donnell and to hear her story because, you know, it's great when you hear the stories behind initiatives like Team Limerick Cleanup, you know, it has to come from someone's mind. It has to come from a momentary gathering between three people, as you heard there, Paul, JP and Helen, just banging heads together in the Hunt Museum Cafe when Helen was running that lovely cafe down there in the Hunt. So that's pretty much it for Team Limerick Cleanup Talks to Episode 2. I hope you've enjoyed listening to my guests and We've got plenty more where they came from. We've got lots more lined up for episode three. But of course, this podcast is brought in association with Live 95. So many thanks for tuning in. I wish you all the very best. We'll be back with you in about a week's time with episode three. Oh, and don't forget, what date are we at? We need to be looking at St. Patrick's Day, the 17th. But 17th is when we need our deadline for people to sign up. Get your details in, invite your friends and neighbours, remind them. This is going to be a wonderful day. Let's beat what we did last year and let's add to that 400 tonnes of litter that have been gathered from the streets of Limerick City and County since Team Limerick Cleanup came to be back in 2015. Thanks for tuning in. Mind yourselves and I'll chat to you next time.